Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast and our series on coaches. Women in this series have been inspirational to our community, evidenced by your interactions and the messages that continue to pour in about their stories and the way each has touched listeners. Today's guest is exceptionally special to me, and I know that this community is going to absolutely love her. Our conversation was perfectly timed in my life, and this woman always seems to show up with her beautiful heart whenever I need her, and I know that she will do the same for you today, friends. Jenny Savi currently serves as an instructional coach in Wisconsin. She graduated from UW La Crosse in 2007 and has a degree in early childhood elementary education. She is currently obtaining her reading specialist license through UW Stout. She has rocked the classroom for nine years as a classroom teacher in grades kindergarten through fourth grade. She became a licensed in-home daycare provider along the journey and also directed an elementary age before and after school program. Jenny has had the opportunity to live and work in Mesa, Arizona, Shell Lake, and Roberts, Wisconsin, and now she calls the tiny town of Elmwood her home in a brand new role as an instructional coach. She is growing and learning much about herself as she navigates life as a wife, mother of four, educator, grad student, and now coaching others to fulfill their strengths and continue striving to be better for the children they serve together. Jenny's mission is simple and beautiful, to be a light for those in her life. She has always longed to remain in the background and has learned in her 36 years that God has given her a servant's heart, a gift she is still navigating. She knew working with young children was her calling when she began teaching 13 years ago. In that time, since she has become passionate about instilling a value of self-worth in each child with whom she works, creating and fostering meaningful relationships with her students and colleagues. In this episode, Jenny shares about her journey in education and life surrounding what has brought her to her current role now as an instructional coach. We discuss the ways she has transitioned and how each uncomfortable shift after getting comfortable has led her to be able to serve the staff and students well and with grace. Sharing my friend with all of you is a true gift to me as this woman has been an integral part of my life through a challenging and joyful decade or so, and her insights are always precious to me. I know there is a mission in her message here for you today, friends, and it brings me the deepest of joy to share with you Jenny Savi's coaching story. Welcome, Jenny Savi, to the In Awe Podcast. This is a special day for me, and I'm so grateful that we got a chance to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah. I'm glad to be here talking to you this morning. Oh, my goodness. So listeners, you have to know a couple of things. I read Jenny's bio, but you have to know that she is a dear friend, a sister of mine, not in blood, but in heart and spirit. And I'm I'm so excited for you all to be able to get to know this beautiful woman that I've been blessed to have in my life for a little over a decade. And we'll unpack some of that. But Jenny, I'm just wondering if you would be willing to share with the listeners a little bit about your current context so that they can get to know you a little bit better. I guess most significantly, a mother of four. I guess that's my biggest role in life currently. Um, well, yes, it's definitely the one that consumes. <laughs> one that's consuming all in every moment, the past few months especially. Um, uh, four beautiful children who, you know, are my everything and can drive me crazy all in the same moment. Um, and mm. I, um, I am a teacher and an educator, have been for the past 13 years, and I am the wife of a high school administrator currently, 
and <laughs> um, have spent the last almost year now um, in a new town, smallest town I've ever lived in, smaller than that Shell Lake <laughs> where we where we first met. Um, but gosh, I mean, I just a lot of roles going on, but I guess that kind of encompasses the biggest ones. <laughs> Well, so then I want to just share our journey a little bit because it's a beautiful journey of friendship and you mentioned how we met. And so I think that will help us kind of put together a little bit of timeline and and talk about this series, which I have you on the coaches series, which is perfect. And I'm excited for listeners to hear about that journey, but just knowing how we got connected and the significance in that is I'll never forget it. We have children that are six weeks apart listeners. So mine came first, um, and then, and then Jenny's, but we had met when our children were tiny. And so as anybody who's been through the stages of motherhood or parenthood, um, you understand that that can be (laughs) challenging and isolating thing. And, and so Jenny and her husband had moved into our town at that time. And her husband was volunteer football coaching. So do you remember those nights when we just got to be together and be social with one another with our babies? (laughs) That year moving with a new baby to small town, Wisconsin, Oh, I look back on that year and I have so many mixed emotions. It was, I don't think I've ever cried so much in my life. Um, that, oh, yeah. I think Tom might've coached six sports that year. Sure felt like it. Um, but I still remember the day that we met at the football field. I remember Tom saying, oh, you have to meet Sarah. Her husband works at the high school and he coaches football and you have to meet Sarah. This would be a great great connection for you. And we met in the parking lot. I don't remember some kind of gathering before a game of some sort. I don't, they had food or whatever. And you were pushing a stroller and I was pushing a stroller. And I just remember (laughs) meeting you for the first time and thinking, thank God, somebody who I might be able to connect with, (laughs) share my tears with. I don't know. I'm so grateful that you didn't think I was too crazy at the time because the edges were so much less soft on this Sarah Johnson than they were then. Um, <laughs> oh, girl, you saved me that year. I, I will. That is one of the biggest memories of that first year in Shell Lake is if I had not met you and had you in that season, I don't know how I would have survived it. <laughs> well, my friend, the feeling is very mutual. You know, um, you know, our lives go and they come and go in seasons. And and I've shared on this podcast before, and maybe in my other writings about how challenging it was for me to also live in a small town. And I always share that story, actually, um, when I speak about just like learning to love where you are. Um, and for me as an Enneagram 7, that's always been a challenge. So to have anchoring points in my life has been necessary. And I know you to be one of those. For me, Jenny, I've shared that with you before that if we hadn't met and you listeners, Jenny has seen me through some of my very worst seasons and, you know, we don't need to do a tell all here, but the truth is that, um, I needed Jenny as a guide in my life and as a coach. And at times there were spaces where I sure thought that, um, you know, faith was maybe a whisper or an untruth. And, and Jenny's been there to coach me through every, piece of it. And so we, to fast forward a little, we had, um, and children again, that were just quick, like three months apart, our second kids. And then you two just kept going. And I was like, Hey, see, ya, you keep running that line. I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, yep. 
We, I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Um, if we can be blessed, you know, to have friends in our lives where our children can be friends and you can be friends, you've just, you have in, given me that gift for, like we said, I mean, it's been about 11 years. And so we've seen each other through a lot of seasons and to be able to try to focus this back a little bit, um, one of the things I love about you and have known about you is that you are a very gifted educator. Um, there's no doubt about that. And so as a person, you are phenomenal and you're this beautiful servant-hearted leader. And I've just seen you mother so beautifully and the way you are a wife and a, and a daughter and a sibling and a friend in this world is just super impressive. So I wanted to share, I wanted to have the listeners hear about this journey because I know that there are a lot of people kind of living in an unknown, you know, right now, and we have a lot of transition and a lot of change. And I know you as the core of your person, change is not your friend, but you've had to make um, peace with it and kind of <laughs> walk in it in so many different seasons. So, you know, when we met, you had already been an educator in Arizona, correct? Yes. Yeah. That was my first two years right out of college. Okay. So take us along your journey. What has your, your classroom and instructional experience kind of been like over the years? Yeah. I mean, you summed it up there with the, with the word transition. I feel like that's been the last 13 years. There's not been much consistency <laughs> in my roles as an educator and through the, the last 13 years, I think I've starting to learn that when I get comfortable is when God moves me. <laughs> and mm. as much as I hate it, <laughs> I think in, in those moments, it's, I've always seen uh, the outcome on the other side. I've always, I've learned to look for, you know, that, that purpose, of why I, where I am, when I am. And, um, right out of college, I, moved to Arizona with two of my best girlfriends. And it was just a decision that in life, why not? We have no attachments. We have, none of us were, you know, had any boyfriends. Let's just go, let's just do it. And, and experience <laughs> life. Like, you know, young 22 year olds do. I don't know. <laughs> and so we did, we moved across the country and it was, it was the best decision I could have ever made. Um, I taught first grade, my very first year I had, five students in my classroom that were um, bilingual and some did, that weren't very fluent in English at all. And here I am a first year teacher with no experience. And, <laughs> but it was, it was a year that had taught me, gosh, a ton. Um, and in that role, I taught next to um, a teacher who was a veteran at that point And really, I mean, looked up to him as a role model. And I just, the experiences there were fantastic. I taught third grade the, the following year. And um, so it was only two years there, but got my feet wet, you know, in the world of having my own classroom and, and learning about who I am as a teacher and um, met my husband. Um, Tom was from Wisconsin and was flew down and moved to Arizona just like I did with you know a couple of his friends and we met at teacher orientation you know in the 2007 and we got married 11 months later you know so it's, <laughs> that was my season then was crazy and unpredictable but I met my husband who we've been married now we just celebrated 12 years last week and um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I could, did not see that coming by any means. Um, but from there, um, Allison, our oldest, was born in Arizona, which, you know, holds that that place holds a special, you know, a place in our hearts because of that, that she was born there and we kind of started our family there. Um, mm -hmm. And then 
She was four weeks old when Tom flew back to Shell Lake, Wisconsin. He said, showed me a map and he said, I think I could get this job. He's like, do you think I should, should apply? We could be closer to family. We could, you know, be back in Wisconsin. We could start our family back near our parents. And I was like, well, sure. Why not? You know, let's, I don't want to have my children, you know, I want my, my parents and stuff to be a part of their lives. So yeah, she was four weeks old and he got on a plane and interviewed in Shell Lake and got the position. And um, so we moved when Allie was just over a month and back to Wisconsin. And I had no job at that point, you know, that I was heading towards. I just knew that I had this new baby and I didn't know what life was going to bring. And I just kind of, that was my first, you know, big transition of a leap of, I'm just going to trust that God's going to provide for me. And he did. I interviewed, there was a part-time third grade position in Shell Lake. And I interviewed the summer, that summer when we moved and I got the position. And so I was home with Allie half days and I was in the classroom half days, which in that moment was absolutely perfect. It's what I needed um, as learning to be a mother <laughs> and a teacher at the same time. And I did two years that way, um, part-time teaching. And then I went into full-time, got my own classroom. I switched between third and fourth grade for a couple years and then um, moved to kindergarten. There was a, <laughs> um, a position open for a team teaching in kindergarten. And I had only taught, I taught first, third, and fourth. And I thought, oh, kindergarten, that kind of sounds like fun. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I, um, team teaching too, you know, that was something that I would have a great learning experience to be able to teach with somebody who's had more years of experience than me. And, um, so I, I made the move to kindergarten and I met my dear friend, Janie LaFave and we, and you had her on your, on your podcast a couple months ago. I was actually re-listening to her voice the other day listeners. And, and since Jenny brought it up, you've got to listen to that episode with Janie LaFave and I'll link it in the show notes. And that's such a beautiful connection that the two of you were able to teach together. So I'm so glad she's a part of your journey. That year, I I found myself, I think, within like the professional side of me, I learned so much from her in her modeling of how she taught and how she related to children and families and her colleagues and just the the joy that she exuberated and the love that she has for everybody. I just, she is my professional role model. And I will say that for the rest of my life. She's somebody I want to model myself after. And I am so blessed that I've had that, those two years with her in kindergarten. Um, we all have those people that just come into our lives and just change us. And she did. She changed me. And I, I feel like I found myself professionally that year and who I wanted to be as a teacher. And, um, and I got comfortable and, and God said, Hey, guess what? We're going to, we're going to transition again. And, um, Tom got a job in, um, Hammond, St. Croix Central School District. And, and so we transitioned and I didn't know what that held for me again. And it was another leap. And that was a hard one because I didn't have a teaching job then that, that next year. And I decided to pursue in-home daycare. I became a licensed in-home daycare provider with um, three children of my own at the time. <laughs> and um, that was probably the hardest 18 months of my life. I, I realized that that's not where God had called me. Um, I, I love being a mother. I love my children. I, I want to pour into them all that I can. Um, but being home with them was not my calling. And I found that out those, those 18 months. And that was really hard. 
Um, my fourth son, my fourth child, Jordan, he was born during those 18 months, which I think probably made it even more difficult and challenging at the time. But, um, yeah, I look back at that. It was a learning experience, but I, yeah, it was very, it was a hard time for me. And from there transition, I found there was no teaching job open within the district at the time in the elementary school, but there was a position for a before and after care director um, at the elementary school. So um, I did apply for that halfway through that second school year that we were there. And I ended up getting that job and it was more of a, at the time, a convenience. So if, if, if I can work before school and after school, then I can be home with the, with my littles during the day. And then Tom can be home and we can, you know, we can make this work. It was, I think that was my initial thought in taking that position. And it turned into so much more. It was, I found um, myself in a leadership role in that job. And I had never seen myself in that light before. I didn't feel like I, um, that God had given me those gifts to, to be a leader before that job. And I found that, that gift within that year and a half that I did that. I, I had a staff that I was running and I was in charge of programming and, and working with families closely and you know, managing the teachers that I hired. And it was, yeah, God, God gave me that job. So I, and I see this now that I could see myself in a different way. Um, and from there, um, we, I, I did get a position in kindergarten again um, at the school district. And I did that for one year. And I, I thought to myself during that year, gosh, I could see myself doing this for a while. Yeah, I'm in kindergarten again. It's my favorite for so many reasons. And, and then um, God said, you're comfortable. Let's, we're going to transition again. <laughs> and so Tom, yeah, got a position as a administrator in the Elmwood school district, a small town um, near his family, which is in, in Spring Valley. And, um, uh, there was a lot of tears in that because I'm just at this point, you know, I'm just ready to be settled and ready to kind of find my place. Um, and I just feel like I'm always constantly being moved. And I took the leap last summer. Um, we moved to Elmwood and I didn't know what that was going to entail again. Um, so it's just a lot of trust and that God's going to provide. And he had in every other season, there was always something there's always something or someone that he provided for me in all those transitions prior. So I made the decision that this was, you know, what I was supposed to do and he was going to provide again. Um, and the position in Elmwood was for an instructional coach. And at first I kind of laughed when, when it was brought up, but I thought, you know, maybe this, maybe I could do this. Maybe, you know, with, I think through my past experiences kind of started feeling a little more confidence in myself that I've got things that I, I can share and I could teach others and I could, um, I love people and I love creating relationships with people. And I know, but it kind of made me feel like maybe I could do this. And, and I, this past year, um, in my first year in the role, I mean, I don't think any district has the role of instructional coach completely defined. I don't think that there's one single job description for an instructional coach. I feel like we're kind of um, jack of all trades. We wear many hats within the school building. Um, but again, this, this position has really given me a, a different perspective on myself and God's showing me that um, I have a lot to offer and I have a lot um, 
you know, in my years of experience to share with others and my, my gift of relationships with people, you have to, you have to be able to build that as a coach. You need to, you know, get to know those, your teachers and walk alongside them and be in the trenches with them and understand where they're coming from and their experiences and what they've, you know, their past and how, why they are the teacher that they are. And, I don't know going forward what this looks like. There's so many unknowns <laughs> um, in this time. So, well, let's get back to that in just a moment. But it's just been such a joy for me, first of all, to hear your voice in any space in my life is such a joy. Um, but as I listen to you and talking about this professional journey, and there's so many things to consider. I love how you say when you get comfortable, that's when you get moved. And I know that that's a challenge for a lot of us, but just watching you in each of those transitions in the kind of grace-filled way that you are able to just serve, you know, um, that's what, and you serve your family and those around you and the institutions that you've worked in, in such beautiful and glorious ways. And, you know, if we would have had this conversation, you know, two years ago, three years ago, you wouldn't have been able to put all the puzzle pieces together yet. And you're not done yet. <laughs> Thank God, right? <laughs> But it's so cool to to just think about the flexibility that you've had to demonstrate, the adaptability, you know, going part-time teaching to then um, two years with a, a beautiful co-teacher, which by the way, I mean, anybody on the outside of that could see the magic. And my daughter got to benefit from having you as a science teacher, which is amazing. She still talks <laughs> about that. <laughs> I am not. Science is not my thing. <laughs> Ublek, right? Did you make Ublek or whatever? Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> but so good to like thinking about how all of those things are influencing how you influence others is just a really beautiful journey that you've been on. And so before we move on to like what could be in the future, just knowing because it's always so unpredictable, but this world is so incredibly un. Um, predictable right now. That So just give me and give the listeners a little bit of an insight about what instructional coaching does look like. It, it's not what it is now, but maybe a vision for what you'd like to see, because we've had a couple of other coaches on the podcast series and most of them you know, coach leaders or coach organizations. And in this role, if people are unfamiliar because maybe they're not in the education field, or like you said, it's defined so very differently <laughs> across districts um, and you're working in a tiny one where, you know, every hand is on deck. What does it look like? I mean, are you in classrooms alongside? How, how do you coach the teachers? That was something I sat down with my principal last summer and I said, so give me, give me a snapshot as to what my day might look like. And he kind of looked at me and he smiled and he shrugged his shoulders and he's like, you know, <laughs> it's going to be what we need it to be here in Elmwood for our students. We, we're going to, we need, we're going to do what's best for our kids and what that looks like, you know, it's, and it, what it ended up looking like. And we found, you know, through <laughs> just doing it, just showing up every day and figuring it out as we went, it was, I spent my entire morning uh, within the classrooms and I would, and, and that ranged from meeting with small groups of students, um, teaching alongside the classroom teacher, kind of co-teaching. Um, it ranged to modeling lessons um, for some of the teachers that maybe hadn't used a specific strategy or, or something with their students before. And so I would, you know, model that and then kind of work alongside them to, to show them something new that maybe they could implement in their classroom. Um, so a lot of my morning was spent within the classrooms, just with the teachers and with the students. Um, 
And then in the afternoons, it was more of an intervention. So my, my role kind of had an intervention piece to it. So we would plan out, you know, if students are struggling, we would look at assessments and, and different things and we come together um, as a PLC and we would talk about um, what's what's going well, what are, which kids are struggling and where, where do we need some more reteaching and we would get together and we would break out into groups. And so I was kind of in charge of making sure that was happening on a daily basis and that all all kids were being reached where they were needed. So it kind of the role has morphed into what it, you know, what Elmwood has needed um, this past year. but it's been, it's been a year. I mean, tell you, I mean, it's been a lot of relationship building coming into a district where there's teachers who have been here for 20 plus years. I mean, and, and Elmwood is the only district they've ever worked in, you know, and, and here I come in and I'm, you know, I'm coming into their classrooms and that hasn't really been done before here. And so it was, it was really a fear of mine that I would in, you know, intimidate or they wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, um, with me, you know, in there kind of watching and being another set of ears and eyes and just, and so really it's been a year of creating relationships. That is what this last year has been. Um, letting the teachers know that I, I am here to support. And that's what an instructional coach, I think that's the biggest role of a coach. I think it's just, I have, I don't know all the answers. Gosh, I wish, I wish I knew, you know, every strategy for every, you know, everything, you know, and just to, what to say to help us, you know, a struggling student. I, I wish that I could, you know, have all those answers. I don't think anyone does. And I felt that was maybe one of my insecurities coming in is I don't, I don't know what to tell them. You know, I, I don't, my experiences give me no more, you know, uh, knowledge and basis than what, you know, what they're doing. They've been teaching way longer than me. Well, who am I to come in there? And I think that was, you know, a lot of the devil kind of feeding those fears into me. And and that's something I've struggled with my whole life is just that I'm not being good enough and that, are you sure you want me in this role? And the administrator that I have now, um, he was sure he wanted me. And so I, I trusted him in that. And it's just been about, I've learned it's coming alongside people and it's saying, Hey, like, what are you, or it's praising them. It's finding their strengths and saying, ah, it was so cool when you did this today. And I really liked this. And then, you know, what do you, what do you want to improve? Like how, what do you, what do you want to work on? What do you want to, because as educators, we're always trying to better ourselves. We're always trying to figure out how we can, you know, improve what we're doing for the kids that we serve. And it's just me coming alongside them and let, and helping them and saying, let me, let me look this up for you. Let me try this. Or what if we did this? And it's just someone to brainstorm with. And I, I think back to my years as a teacher in the classroom, I thought, man, that'd be really nice to have someone come in and just no judgment, you know, and just come in and just say, Hey, how, what area do you want to improve in? And how can I help you? How can I support you? Or where do you feel like you're not supported? And what can I do to kind of back you up? I just think teachers need that. Like we just need to build that community. Um, cause I think we feel like an Island a lot. The teachers do. I just feel like it's this solo job and there's so much competition and I just would be my, my goal to just eliminate that, just come together and, the more we can work together, I think the more change we can make for the kids. You know, it's been a learning experience. <laughs> I'm still learning. I don't know. <laughs> I just love because I'm flashing back to being in your latest home <laughs> last year, <laughs> just before you were journeying into the new position and, and just those being a part of your transitions and knowing the fears, you know, just as we can 
hear from trusted people that we you know love and adore that we can share and give to and knowing what it became over the year, you know, this vision of what you didn't know. And, and yet you're working alongside people that are gaining trust in you. And you were hired by an individual that you and I both know, and what a brilliant man to find the right person for the job, which he clearly did. And so, um, you know, just hearing your self-efficacy through this is inspiring me. And I love it. You know, um, if you can, as a listener, if you can just hear the passion in Jenny's voice, I mean, you just lit up when you talked about, you know, just researching and what are you doing well and how can I help? It's, it sounds like such a beautiful vision, although nothing is perfect and we wouldn't want to paint that picture, but it sounds to me like you've been placed in the exact right space. And I love how you vulnerably said, like, I don't have all the answers, right? Like, I, and then, and I think oh. that's the misnomer <laughs> about coaches is like, we're not supposed to know everything. You're just supposed to be able to help guide people into their wholest versions and, you know, be willing to, to speak truth and be willing to um, have the hard conversations. I mean, you want to talk about that at all? At all? <laughs> I think, oh, and see, I purposely didn't mention that, didn't I? Because I think that, is, that is my, I know that is my biggest, um, my biggest weakness where I am learning to grow and be more confident is those hard conversations. Um, and. I am not there. I am after one year, I'm not there. Um, and I'll, I will admit that, but that's something that I'm looking to, to grow towards is if I see something, um, not being done for kids or in the best interest of kids, because that is, that's why I'm in education. I am, I, I need to, I need to find my confidence in having those conversations. Um, and I'm not there yet. I, I am, I am a <laughs> part of my servant nature is to please others. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something I have struggled with my entire, my entire life. Um, and there's a difference between being a servant and pleasing others. Mm -hmm. And I have not found that line yet. Um, I still cross that line and I will, I find myself wanting to please and bending over backward to please when it's not when I shouldn't be. And mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm needing to stop and listen to God's voice in that because I made you a servant, um, it's not to be walked over. It's not to be cast aside. I don't like the spotlight. I don't like when you <laughs> asked me to do this. I thought, holy crap. You know? I don't like recognition in itself makes me uncomfortable sometimes. And I, and, but I'm starting to realize, and I think in this, in this season of my life, that just because God has made me, given me a servant heart, that doesn't mean I need to, you know, be in the shadow or be in the background. I can, I have a voice and I have learned to start using that, I think, in my professional life. And that even though I don't have the answers, that that confidence of, I just want what's best for you and for the students. And I think just leaning on that has helped me to to grow. It's such a beautiful level of grace that you gave just reflecting and being vulnerable and be willing to reflect about that because, well, first of all, you're not alone um, in that idea that it's, it's hard not to be 
Well, it's hard to engage in those tough conversations uh, because we think that we don't want to hurt people's feelings with truth, right? But that clear is kind piece is like that mantra that just has to keep rolling. But I just love how you so beautifully wove in how you're, you know, you were made and how there's a difference between, you know, a servant, somebody who serves with grace and truth versus somebody who becomes, you know, a doormat or walked over or however you were phrasing that. And I just know <laughs> this is such a beautiful season. And I loved hearing you say that. Um, because you do, you were called to serve in so many beautiful and brilliant ways. And I can't wait to keep watching your journey. And I just know that you're having a deep impact. There's no question about that. Yeah. I'm, I've learned, I can't, you can't fear the future. It is transition is it's, (laughs) I'm not in control. We are not in control. (laughs) That's something I've learned over the past few months. Yeah. Well, and you are, I think, the expert in this. So let's get back to that. And I think this will be our final quick topic before I ask you the questions that I always ask. But, you know, you referenced the fact that we don't know what's coming. You've you've been building for a year and, and with uh, schools and, you know, the pending time of reopening and all these questions, you may be, you know, reiterating again of what that role looks like. You want to talk at all about that so listeners can kind of be able to realize they're not alone in this as well? in all the discussions we've had over the summer, I mean, we've been at school, we've sat around tables talking about what's best for our kids and how can we keep everyone healthy and safe and, you know, mentally and physically. And it's, it's, it's been a conversation that I might be heading back to the classroom in the fall to lower class sizes to help minimize, you know, just the interactions between kids and can we lower it? And maybe we know what's best for our elementary students to have them with us, you know, and, how can we how can we do that safely and keep as many students in our building as possible throughout the school year? And so, looking at um, my partner um, Becky, who does she does second through fourth grade, and I focus on four K through first, putting us back into a classroom in the fall. Um, and you know, the conversations I've had with my administrator about mm-hmm. it, he's very he's very reluctant to do that because he sees what we've built this year and he knows what it could be in the years to come, and he doesn't want to go backwards in that. Um, but we've had the conversations of, you know, if I'm, if I'm back in kindergarten, I mean, and that's where my heart is there that if you could put me in a comfortable place, it would be in a kindergarten classroom. That is my comfort. And I feel like this last year I've been uncomfortable and, you know, in a good way, it's been good and it's been scary and bad, you know, too, but I'm comfortable in kindergarten. So the second he said that, I was like, Oh yes, I'll go back to kindergarten. Sure. You know, in the same breath, it's like, okay, but what does that mean then? What does that mean for me professionally? And is that a step back for me? Or could I, could I though continue coaching the teachers, you know, in my grade levels, the 4k through one while I'm teaching? Could I, you know, could I still use that being in the classroom with them at the same time, but also, you know, having still having those conversations with them about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And, um, and so in, in talking with, you know, my principal about that, you know, I think that's kind of, that's what it might look like going forward. Who knows hundred percent, you know, about anything, but just maybe being in the classroom and yet still coaching, you know, on the side and just, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it'll be or what it's going to look like, but transition, right? <laughs> I was going to say, uh oh, if we go back to your pattern, if you're getting comfortable, it means that maybe you get to move again. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, no, no. <laughs> I'm done. I don't know that I actually pack up a house again. I am so done with that. <laughs> so and and so I just love that you, you know, you're able to model this again, this flexibility. So many of us because so many of my listeners are educators and and there's just so much um 
unknown and change and transition. And and here you are with this beautiful soul of yours. We know it's a fearful thing, but you're laughing through it and just kind of bringing it back full circle because I feel like this feels right. I just think about you in the classroom and how you just said <laughs> that you wanted to model um, your professionalism um, after Janie LaFave. And I think, well, maybe this gets to be your year to be her for those teachers. Well, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> I could be someone else's Janie. <laughs> you will. And I, and I believe that whether you're, you know, in a classroom or you're out of it, you are someone else's Janie. That's not a, that's not a question in my mind, but maybe this is a beautiful opportunity to do it in a different way, knowing that when things get back to, you know, some semblance of, of whatever, that all those relationships will just be so much more deeply enhanced by this year. I can, I know that's going to be the case for you, Jenny. Yeah. Beautiful things are going to come from it. I know that. I have no doubt in that. It's it's getting over that fear of the unknown. (laughs) Stinking fear. All right. Well, I just, I despise the fact that we're at the end of this interview for my listeners, because the fact is that I can um, get in touch with you anytime I want. And so I'm very lucky in that way, but (laughs) we have to (laughs) cut this interview off for our listeners. But I want to make sure that I get to the two standard questions that I always, always ask on this podcast. So are you ready for those? Uh, Bring it on. (laughs) All right. So the first one is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? I think I would tell myself, you're never going to have all the answers and growing and changing in that those stages of transition are all going to, they're beautiful in their own way. And it's finding that beauty in it, that life is not going to be ever easy or simple, but to take it moment by moment and to wake up each morning. And instead of looking at the long term or the bigger picture sometimes just waking up in the morning and being thankful for this day and just the prayer of God use me today. I think just taking it slower um, that we are, we're not promised another day. So I think I would just tell myself to slow it down, to enjoy the moments, to not, not let fear overcome you. I think it's great. What you just said is beautiful. And it's that present moment awareness that so many of us struggle with, mm-hmm. you know, da- on the daily, yep. because we're either worried about what's ahead of us or we're pontificating and admiring what was behind us. So yeah. what you had to say there, I think could apply to any one of your stages probably. And it's really wise and beautiful. All right. So how about this one? If we have listeners that find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, and they need to hear Jenny's beautiful mm-hmm. voice to help them rise up out of it, what do you think you could say? That I've been in that pit? that um i find myself there sometimes still and it's and it's okay to cry and it's okay to feel it and and know that we are not in control that god is in control and i feel like i would say that you are worth it and look for the beauty Look for the small moments because sometimes they are so small, but I find myself just even this morning on my run, the sun shining, just it's a new day and the possibilities that could be out there. 
That's so good. It's finding that joy in the simple things. And the fact that you went for a run this morning makes me super happy um, because we didn't cover any of that. But that's one of the journeys that I would just want to share that because you coached me into this. So I listeners, you know, I'm on the six year streak and all of that, but none of that happens <laughs> totally alone. And I'll never, ever forget. Like I was just running for whatever for running. And I and I don't even know if I had even, you know, I was run walking. I'd push myself. But you you had a bucket <laughs> list and you were like, I need to run a 5K. Will you do it with me. And at that point, whatever I hadn't run, I mean, I didn't know I wasn't paying attention and thank God for you that you coached me along and thinking you can do this. I can do this. We can do this. And so we did. We did. did. I still remember meeting you in the morning before school and we'd high five each other on the road because we'd see each other out. (laughs) It's a beautiful memory right there. Leading up to that and after. Yeah. But you know what, Jenny, I, none of those, uh, running days, you know, they, they wouldn't have been stimulated in the way that they had been, had it not been for you to even have me like vision further in that 5k, you know, led to so much more in my own life. And I know yours too, that has just served. And I'll never forget when you were at the finish line of the end of my first half marathon and just so grateful for the presence that you've had in my life. And I know those listening who know you are going to be so grateful to hear more about your story. And I know that they share my absolute and deep love for you and are so grateful for the way that you, you know, guide us all in this life. So thank you for being that beautiful model and for letting God use you. I love you. Okay. So if listeners would like to get a hold of you, uh, what do you think would be the best way for them to engage with you after this interview? Well, um, I'm an avid email checker have, <laughs> have been since this coaching position has taken my life over. So, um, yeah, you can visit the Elmwood school district, uh, page and my email is there. And yeah, I guess that would probably be the best. <laughs> That sounds good. I will be sure to link it. Um, and then that way, listeners, if you want to have direct contact with Jenny, you'll be able to have it. Um, Jenny, thank you so much. I know that it's not been easy to stave the four kids off this whole entire time. And probably in the background, we're going to hear my kids too, but that just makes it real and authentic and so joyful. So thank you for taking the time. I know it's not easy. Oh, absolutely. I've enjoyed every minute. So have I. <laughs> I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.